0: They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are monsters out of the closet. Hello, Monster Mob. This is producer Shreya, and I am here with a repeat contributor and wonderful person, Lucian Clark. Say hi, Lucian. Hello. Hello, and we are going to talk about the piece that they wrote called The Bag, which is in our Halloween episode, which hopefully you've listened to, otherwise, this is going to be real confusing. Um, I'm going to start right off the bat. Let's just start with questions. So, first, where did the concept for the bag the strum? Because I think it's pretty complex. It's got layers. It's got characterization. So, where did it come from?
1: So, um, I wrote the bag way before Halloween. I wrote this story in about the time that it takes place, which is, you know, about April, mm-hmm. from that kind of time. And, um... I can't quite remember where the exact idea came from, unfortunately. However, the field that I talk about is basically like the setup and all that is based on my own apartment and where it's located is there's a big old field across the way. And if I remember correctly, one of our neighbors did leave like a trash bag in the field.
0: Uh And I just
1: kind of like looked at it and I was like, that looks kind of ominous just sitting there with nothing around it. So I kind of took that idea of, like, what's in the bag and went with it. And it the bag went through a couple different iterations before we decided on this ending and all that. Like, the original ending for the story was it was the protagonist in the bag.
0: Ooh, you know, that's honestly, that's kind of what I thought might happen. I got the feel from it, but go on.
1: So, and I did that, and... I realized that I could definitely talk a lot more about a deeper idea of loss or confusion or not being able to let go or even like death possibly itself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if I changed what was in the bag from being the protagonist to being her partner. Um, And I felt that I had a lot more room with being able to talk about the partner's interaction with the protagonist if I also had that difference for the ending so it ended up with a a bit of a different tone than i originally ended up with in the original writing of the story i edited this story repeatedly for at least two months before i actually had to put it down because i was like i can't stare at this any longer like it's just becoming where all i'm doing is Ripping it apart, putting it back together, ripping it I know apart, how putting that it is. back together. So I, was, I stepped away from it for a while. Got it. And then when I came back to it in August is when I finally like was like, okay, this is where we're going to go with it. And then we're just going to put it down and that's where it's going to stay. Because if I kept messing with it, it wasn't just going to go anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that you edited it to include more potential for gay because, you know, we all have a vested interest (laughs) in there being more gay in our stories. Uh, So thank you for that. I did want to ask, I know that you, I think the piece is set in April? Yeah. Right? Around
1: April-ish, yeah.
0: Right, one of those gloomy months. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this is a Halloween piece? Like, do you think that not just because of spookiness it it could fit in with halloween and that fall feeling
1: definitely because like the transition from winter to, to spring is still kind of that it's it's got that gloominess it's that cold you just can't shake
0: sure it's that weird in between
1: yeah it's that it kind of like it sticks to you in a very uncomfortable kind of way mm. and i feel that even if it didn't take place in April, because that's just when I happened to write it, that um, it could very easily have taken place in the fall. It feels very Halloween-y to me in the sense that it's just kind of out there. Um, Halloween horror stories, for me, definitely have like an element of the supernatural and that weird area between like life and death and not necessarily spirits, but that weird kind of transitional phase.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that idea of transition, of passing over in the Halloween genre. Um, speaking of transitions and sort of the veil between life and death, there's definitely a lot of playing with what is real, what isn't real in this piece, and with not only the protagonist reflecting on like her relationship, but with... you. Know, with like is everything that she experiences just inside of her is there something real about the world that she's picking up on almost a sense of paranoia about it where did that come from because i think that's a really interesting element to play with in horror and it's something that's you know part of the canon of horror i think is playing with what's real and what's not real
1: so my favorite thing to do with my stories is write them from a point where i don't even know what's real and what's not real like I like to put it where the the interpretation to the for the reader is the big focal point for how they see it. Um I bounce a lot of my rough drafts and stories off a friend of mine and when he originally read it, he came out with like a completely different interpretation than how I was trying to present stuff. So I kind of like picked at him a little bit like what gave you that idea? What what played off that? How did you come up with that? And kind of worked a little bit more of that into it. Only because I feel that with horror, the best, it's one of the best genres to work at where the reader's interpretation plays so heavily into how they identify with the story, how they read it, how they interact with it, and even like the undergoing meanings to it. I like not concrete endings or ideas. I like things where you can read something and then read it again or puzzle over it afterwards. It's not a pick up, put down, and no, oh, that was that. Bye. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of feeling.
0: Yeah, I think everyone brings their own little quirk into the way that they either experience or they create horror. I know some people's fear sort of rests on losing relationships or losing friends and family. I know some people's quirks rest on helplessness some people's quirks rest on you know a lack of understanding it you know we all bring kind of our own discomfort and our own comfort zones into I think how we write horror which is really cool Uh, but other also speaking of bringing identity into horror how do you think that being part of the lgbtq community affects the way that you write or you create because i know it does for me for sure i'm putting you know beautiful girls into almost all the songs that i write
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it definitely affects me in not just the characters that i put out there with a lot of them being lgbtq or whatever Mm -hmm. it definitely affects the types of themes that i like to write about Um, Whether that be transition, being a trans person, Mm -hmm. body horror, Mm -hmm. um, that feeling of otherness um, is definitely something I really like to to touch upon. And I think that's why horror is such a great genre is because you can touch upon all those things that have been, you know, done a hundred thousand times. But it's still, it's so personal because everybody has, as you were saying, different fears, what they're comfortable with. And it allows that moldability to change like even something as cliche as like a werewolf or a vampire or anything like that into something that can take a whole new identity in a way that's personal and fresh and makes it so people can keep coming back to it.
0: Yeah, I think so. Because Nicole and I talk a lot about maybe not revolutionizing, but at least transforming. The horror genre because we have different identities and our contributors have different identities than the people who traditionally have written horror it's not just a bunch of you know 30 something white guys 40 something white guys creating horror anymore um and that means that we do bring something fresh and new to it as you were saying i'm and i'm also wondering you know this is what we bring into horror what does horror give back to us or what does horror give to us um what what do you see as the potential for horror as someone who moderates gender terror um which listeners you should check out they're one of our partner projects sites i don't know they work with us they're wonderful we like them (laughs) a lot but you should you should check it out but as someone who is on the head honcho of gender terror uh, what do you really see as horror's role in our community
1: when it comes to like horror in the queer community, it's one of the first, I've noticed a lot of people at least say that's one of the first genres where they feel that they can identify with characters, they can, there's that, I did a whole talk for GamerX a couple of years ago about how with horror the fact that most protagonists aren't really, they're kind of amorphous they're a representation and so horror allows us to project a whole bunch of crap into it Um, and so it allows a lot of people to be able to identify with small things and run with it so I feel that it allows a lot of people to explore things that are uncomfortable because ultimately horror is a very uncomfortable genre it's very focused on the heart of the matter for certain situations and it gets it's not afraid to get dirty it's not afraid to you know push some buttons that other genres might not be allowed to and in the same vein though a lot of horror at least older horror not so much still modern day horror it has a tendency to be either super stereotypical or super you know homophobic super misogynistic and all those fun wonderful disgusting gross things but if we're able to by wanting to override and go around those things and create horror that isn't like that it allows a lot more minority voices to be able to go we're not going to do that here's something new here's something So it might be easier for even for queer people to be able to create horror in a way that casts aside all those gross kind of tropes to be able to bring people in. So I feel that there's a lot of potential in camaraderie, so to say, within the horror genre of saying, we're not going to let this misogynistic, we're not going to let this homophobic, transphobic, sexist, nasty, bullcrap exist in the genre anymore we're going to take it from that if that makes sense
0: amen um and i think something that's also interesting which sparked in my mind um as you were talking as well is that you were saying people can i identify with the protagonists in horror but i think also something that i i was noticing is that our canon of horror tends to be the villains and the monsters and the creatures right we remember the monster we don't necessarily remember dr frankenstein we remember dracula not a lot of people remember van helsing right or even in something as controversial and as rocky horror right we remember frank we don't remember brad and janet as much right so i think that especially in classic horror when people when people in the queer community are watching it is I think we identify almost with the monsters more than we do with whatever straight-laced protagonists they've made up for that particular occasion. And I think that means, you know, it, it gives us... It gives us almost... Some, because, you know, the monsters are worshipped. I was just in spirit the other day, and they had... Uh, what was it? Mike Myers' Christmas lights that lit up the head of Mike Myers, and, 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 like little tiny ones that you could string on your house. I know, and I was like, "That's amazing." But you know, we're we're not remembering it. the protagonist; we're remembering the villain. And I think that they're 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 almost worshipped, right? There's cults, and they're called cult classics for a reason. And I think it's it's almost an opportunity for people to see villains who are otherwise seen as horrendous or terrible given a little bit of attention almost and and given a lot of appreciation almost so in in a weird backwards way it's almost a chance for for us to break social norms in that way and i think that's you know why it appeals to a lot of us i know it's why it appeals to me a little bit is the same almost you know think about even the little mermaid and how queer coded ursula is but yet how much people in the community identify with her and love her because it's she's fabulous right and it's some it's some place we could see ourselves and still have a little bit of power in the movies
1: definitely it's that that other that feeling of other that identifying with the other and not all the time are horror movies especially monsters depicted as necessarily evil but more misunderstood you know they're they're not necessarily purposefully being evil like take uh frankenstein's monster for say
0: sure certainly with the creatures It's,
1: it's definitely a um an identity with that that other that feeling of outcast being misunderstood um the first thing we published with gender terror was actually um me discussing with several members of the trans community their identity with monsters and why they identified that way and why they felt that the monsters were, that the monstrous and their trans identity were connected and linked. And it's definitely, it's the piece is two years old now and it's still something that I go back to all the time because it's it rings true even now with, you know, any type of monster film or anything like that, especially now where the the genre is definitely less black and white and more muddled and trying to, you know, explore that is this monster really evil or is they are they just misunderstood and the ability to necessarily make the antihero or the monster the protagonist of the film, like you've said before, where slasher films especially um, are starting to take where that's the protagonist, not anybody else. The slasher right. in that, those films is the right. protagonist. So it's definitely kind of muddling in those areas a little
0: bit. Mm-hmm. And Nicole and I have certainly talked about, especially Guillermo del Toro films, where the rule is almost always that it's the ghost or the monster or whatever terrible beast, that's the one that's actually on your side and it's the humans that you have to be afraid of. Oh, absolutely. If you look at something like Crimson Peak, right? The ghosts are just there to tell her that she's going to get murdered, right? Or a shape of water. The fish man is her boyfriend. It's your typical 50s white male that we got to be really afraid of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that holds true for a lot of us in the community. In general that it's 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 really the the straight laced older white guy that you have to be afraid of and not necessarily the one who seems different or horrendous or terrible, so that's my that's also my fifty cents on it <laughs> cool 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 um what is your next project what are you gonna what are you gonna do next in terms of writing or if you do any other sort of creative work in the horror genre what's going on next for you
1: so Right now, I'm in the process of moving. And so being able to be a creative is pretty hard right now. I have several stories that I'm trying to, to get published mm. and trying to find homes for. I was recently published in an anthology called Postcards from the Void, Ooh. which you can pick up at, you know, barnesandnoble.com on Amazon or their um, their website, which is Dark Syndicate. And um so that's really it. Obviously, I'm trying to still work with gender terror. Right now, we're doing a bunch of like movie and music and video game reviews for the month of October. Just try to you know get some some more media, people maybe some more indie or lesser known things mm-hmm. for people to get interested in and something to do for the month of October.:
0: Cool, cool, cool. Well, that's exciting. Definitely, listeners, go find that anthology. And go onto Gender Terror's website. I'm going to tell you again. Go do it because it's cool. Well, thanks, Lucian. Anything else that you wanted to cover before we sign off?
1: Um, I mean, if you want to watch that talk I did at Gamer X, I do have that on YouTube. You can literally just search Gender Terror GamerX East and that'll come up either on the website or on YouTube. It's a pretty long panel. They were only supposed to give us an hour spot and then I think they gave ended up giving us like an hour and a half, two hours.
0: Sweet. Okay. Well, thanks, Lucian. It's been a blast talking to you. All of their websites, links, and stuff, we will try and get up onto our website at the same link where you can find this interview file. But thanks, Lucian.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always been a pleasure. Monsters out.